and God's, God's doing great and marvelous things. I, I, I don't want just saved people coming into our church. I want to see the lost come into the church. Amen. Amen. I, I want to see God win the lost. I want to see signs and wonders and miracles. I, I, service is so strange. Not, not wild or weird, but just God-filled, Holy Spirit-filled to where, and it's already kind of like this. You just never know what God's going to do or when he's going to do it, and I'm good with that. I said, I'm good with that. And whatever God wants, that's, that's what you need to do because it, it's, how many know it's not about us? It's about him. And, and if nothing else, it's about someone else. We're here for each other. So in this time of transition, I, I can't help but I, I just, the Lord just took me back to David, back to David before he faced Goliath. And, and I don't want to talk about the battle. We all, you know, we've talked about that so many times. I, I want to focus on what David was kind of like before the battle and what happened to David after the battle. I, I, think, I, think, whew, I think the pandemic was our Goliath. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it messed people up. It, it's changed everything. And if you're, like I said, if you're one of those people who thinks, I can't wait to get back to normal, you have a long wait. Because this thing has changed the world. And, and, and this, I hate to say it, but this may not be the last little bug to come around. Who knows what we might face? Things much worse than this could, could come our way. I'm not predicting or prophesying. I don't want to be negative. But listen, I, I don't know that it will ever be the same. Something, I mean, it has, it has just scarred people. Do you all hear what I'm saying? Scarred people. Drug abuse has never been higher. Divorce, domestic violence, depression, medications. I mean, everything's through the roof. The cost of isolating people has been even greater than the cost of the pandemic. It's, it's, been, it's, been, it's been horrible. What we got. And I think once this is all over, we're going to see a rush of hurting people looking for answers as they come out of the caves. Amen. But I want to look at David, who went from, who went from being in the back 40 to the very throne room of King Saul. He was just a simple shepherd. Yet in one day, his life was completely changed. Look, look, at, look at the story. Let's pick up the story in chapter 17 of 1 Samuel. And we'll begin reading in verse 12. Now, David was the son of that, of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem, Judah, whose name was Jesse, and who had eight sons. And the man was old, advanced in years, in the days of King Saul. Uh-huh. The oldest, the three oldest sons of Jesse had gone to follow Saul to the battle. The names of his three sons, Eliab and Abinadab and Shammah. And uh, David was the youngest. And the three oldest followed Saul, but David occasionally went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. And the Philistines drew near and presented himself, Philistine, that's Goliath, 40 days, morning and night, challenging them. Then Jesse said to his son, Take now for your brothers an ephah of this dried grain and these ten loaves and run to your brothers at the camp. Take them what? Take them lunch. 
and carry these ten cheeses to the captain of their thousand and see how your brothers fare, you know, see how your brothers are doing, are they still alive, and bring back news of them. One more verse. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah fighting with the Philistines. You need to understand, David is basically disconnected to this whole thing. He's not, he's not asked to go, to go to the... In fact, I think at some point, I don't know that he even understands, because Jesse had to explain to him about the battle and where his brothers were. I think at some point, he didn't even know there was a war going on. I mean, you know, sometimes we're so disconnected, we don't even know what's going on around us. And, and, and what's going on in the world. But, but he doesn't know about the battle and, and, uh, at some point. And he doesn't know that his brothers are there. But his, his father calls him from the field and says, Hey, yeah, I, got, I, got these, I got these lunches. Go take care of them and take care of the leadership. And, and, uh, I, I, and just go to the battle, give them their lunch, and come right back home. Mm-hmm. Just take lunch and see how they are. Listen. Packing a lunch and carrying lunch and just feeding people, that's, that's not a glorious thing. And sometimes we're asked to do things for the Lord that aren't that glorious. And we're asked to do things for the Lord that really are, that nobody even knows what's going on. I, I won't even say who he is, but we had a guy out here this week. It was on the thing, and he was... Cleaning carpets. No, nobody knows that. I'm not even going to tell you his name just to make a point. Are you there? <laughs> I'm, I, I might not get my heart rate up today, but you know, I'm still going to preach, okay? I'm so messed up. That's the way I feel, amen. Jesus. So <laughs> someone's going to carry me out in a minute. It's not a glorious job. But let me ask you something. What if David had not brought the lunch? I mean, it's just, it's just lunch. But what about David? I mean, I'm not talking about his brothers. I'm talking about David. Because his brothers may have, they'll find food somewhere. But what about David? What, what would have happened to David if he had forgotten to go that day? Someone else would have been chosen to fight Goliath and probably would have lost because he wouldn't have been God's man. Listen, you might be asked to bring lunch, but that doesn't mean you're not God's man. So they, they you know, he, but, but if he had forgotten, uh, they may have lost the battle, and that meant they would have been slaves to the Philistines instead of the other way around. Huh. What if he was just late? What if he was just late? He just wasn't on time. Aren't you glad you were on time for church this morning? Yeah, some of you can't say amen. I spotted you. Listen, listen what, if, what if you're late? What if he was late and someone else got called to it and he missed the whole thing? What if he had just brought a bad lunch? What if he hadn't taken care to make the right kind of lunch? And once he brought it, they said, you know, oh, this bread is hard as a brick. And, and uh, what's these white spots on this cheese? <laughs> Blue cheese, yeah. <laughs> no, that's uh, something else. Uh, 
you know, and, and what if they just got ticked off with him and threw him out and he would have, listen, we, we need to be on time and we don't need to forget things and we need to do things right. Come on now. And in that case, God is going to bless us. I believe that God notices the little things and calls us to the little things and blesses us in the little things. You remember what Jesus said in Luke chapter 16 and beginning in verse 9. We need to be faithful. Say faithful. I say to you, make friends for yourselves by unrighteous mammon, that when you fail, they may receive you into an everlasting home. What that scripture is saying is, make friends of sinners. Because they might have the key to your promotion. No, I don't hang around sinners. Something might come on me. I might catch something, and I'm not talking about COVID. I might catch some evil spirit or something. Keep those people away from me. No, you're, you're supposed to make friends with them. Not, not be, don't be afraid of them influencing you. You should have the power of the Holy Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Greater is what's in you than what's in them. So you should have the energy and the power and the ability to influence them instead of them influencing you. He said, make friends because God can use anybody to get you to the next level. I'm going to throw this one out. God can even use your enemies. Who knows how many blessings are locked away because you won't talk to sister so-and-so. Jesus, help us. Aren't you glad I didn't put a name in there? Your enemy might be the key to what God wants to do in your life, but because you're too stubborn, pig-headed, unforgiving, self-centered, how far do you want me to go? That you won't forgive, you won't even talk to them. I'll, I'll tell you what I'm not. Attitude. Come on, sisters. <laughs> oh, I could preach there a while. I'm going to behave. In the next verse, he says this, and, and oh, by the way, he who is faithful in what is least is, fa is faithful also in much, and he who is unjust in what is least is unjust also in much. Wow. Therefore, if you have not been faithful, say faithful, in the unrighteous mammon, in other words, in non-spiritual things, who will commit to your trust the true riches? If you can't be faithful with natural things, with worldly things, why should God trust you with spirit? If you can't get lunch right, if you can't even be a blessing in that way, why would God trust you with pearls, and why would God trust you with great things? Listen, I know that I know you're not going to run and shout at this message. That's okay. It's time we learn something about faithfulness because this transition that we're going through is not just about running the aisles and feeling good and being blessed. Something has to be invested. If we're going to see this transition, that's what God's telling me, and that's why I'm just, just messed up today because he's dealing with me. Maybe, maybe I'm just preaching to me today. 
glad you all didn't say amen. If you did, I'd just let you go home and I'll just preach. Of course, I kind of know what I'm going to say. So, Proverbs 23, 23. Watch this. Buy. Say buy. Buy the truth. Do not sell it. Also, buy wisdom, instruction, understanding. You can buy it. Did you know that? Isaiah 55, verse 1 and 2. Hey there. I like the message. All who are thirsty, come to the water. Are you penniless? Come anyway. Buy and eat. Come buy. Look, look at that word buy. Come what? Buy your drinks. Buy wine and milk. Buy without money. Everything's free. Buy, but everything's <laughs> Why would you spend your money on junk food? Your hard-earned cash on cotton candy. Listen to me. Listen well. Eat only the best. Fill yourself with only the finest. Revelation chapter 3, verse 15. How many like the word? I know you inside and out, and I find little to my liking. <laughs> you're not cold. You're not hot. Far better to be either cold or hot. You're stale. You're stagnant. You make me want to vomit. Well, there's that. You brag. You brag I'm rich. Hello, America. I've got it made. I need nothing from anyone. Oblivious that, in fact, you're pitiful, blind, beggar, threadbare, and homeless. Spiritually. Here's what I want you to do. Say it. Buy your gold from me. Gold that's been through the refiner's fire. Then you'll be rich. Buy your clothes for me, clothes designed in heaven. Woo! I know you like to wear clothes with other people's names on them. <laughs> but somebody needs to just put out a new line and, you know, heaven's best. or I don't know, whatever they want to call it. How many know he'll, he'll clothe you? Buy your gold for me, gold has been, buy your clothes for me, design in heaven. You've gone around half naked long enough. And buy medicine for your eyes from me so you can, so you can see, really see. This, really, this is the message to the Laodicean church. And, and, and Laodicea just happened, their, their claim to fame was they had an eye salve factory. And they produced eye salve for the Roman Empire. And he says, come by. He said, I've got the eye salve. Woo, glory to God. The people I love I call to account, prod and correct and guide so that they'll live at their best. Up on your feet then, about face, run after God. You're never going to get in anywhere in a seated position. It's time to run after God. About face. How many remember the story of the ten virgins? Let me see your hand if you know what I'm talking if you don't know, i got to spend time. Okay. The ten virgins, right? Matthew 25. We'll just skim through this real quick. Yeah, God's kingdom's like ten virgins. They took oil lamps, right? Went out to greet the bridegroom. Five were silly, and five were... The silly virgins took lamps, but no extra oil. Hello, hello, hello. Notice they were all virgins. The smart virgins took jars of oil to feed. Say feed. 
their lamps. The bridegroom didn't show up when they expected him, and they all fell uh, But aren't you glad that even when we kind of fall into sleep, that he'll wake us up? Glory to God. It's one thing to be asleep. It's something else to be unprepared. Oh, that's another message. We'll do that next week. In the middle of the night, someone yelled out, he's here. The bridegroom's here. Go out and greet him. Praise God. The ten virgins got up, got their lamps ready. The silly virgins said to the smart ones, our lamps are going out. Lend us some of your oil. They answered, there might not be enough to go around. Go buy your own. Just, just go buy your own, right? There may not be enough. What, what, how do we buy oil? Notice they all had a lamp. The lamp means you're saved. When you get saved, God gives you a lamp. Okay, you got me? But whether or not it has oil is up to you. And whether or not you light the oil is up to you. You have to keep the supply of oil coming. Salvation's free, but it's not cheap. And I'm not saying you can buy blessings. I'm not saying anything like that. But I am saying this, that, un- that unless you buy, some, unless you are faithful, you may still go to heaven, but you're going to be asked some questions on that day. Didn't Jesus say you are the light of the earth? You can't be light without oil, the oil of the Holy Spirit. There are things that you need to do. You need to, you need to stay in shape. How do you say, Pastor, how do I know if I'm in shape or not? Work out. The amount of pain will indicate how in shape you are. If you work out for 30 seconds... You remember that commercial where the guy, the guy is in the gym and he runs and he, and he stands on the scale and he runs one circle around the gym and gets back on the scale and he weighs the same and he slaps the scale. Remember that, that commercial? I, I think we think we don't, you know, if I just go to the gym, I'll automatically lose five pounds. No, you actually have to invest something if you want something back. It's not buying and selling like that. It's not like you can buy God's blessings. And really, I'm not even talking about blessings. I'm talking about if you want to shine, you're going to have to be faithful. If you want to be effective in the kingdom, you're going to have to be faithful. If you want to win souls, you're going to have to be faithful. If you want to be effective and successful, you're going to have to be faithful. Oh, Jesus. Oh, Jesus. Hallelujah. I, I think you're getting what I'm saying. It's time that we learn what, what faithfulness is. Because, mm-hmm. listen, they, they were expecting, but they weren't prepared. They were expecting, but they were not willing to pay the price. And they were expecting, but they kept putting off what they needed to do. Uh, someday I'll uh, someday I'll get my prayer life straight. So, someday I'll start reading the scriptures like I know it. Someday I'll start attending regular. <laughs> someday I'll pay my tithes. 
Someday I'll take that position I know I'm supposed to take. Salvation gives us lamps, but we must buy the oil to light them, and the currency is faithfulness. A couple weeks ago, I, was, I went to a funeral way over on the east of, uh, southeast of Canton. A pastor friend of mine, he was pastoring when I came. He pastored the same church. I believe it was 44 years. I'm a young whippersnapper. I'm just 39 years. So he was pastoring before I, when I came into the state, he was pastoring. He was already in his early 70s and never, never quit. He just, he just died a pastor <laughs> and went home to be with the Lord unexpectedly. Wow. And I went to the funeral and he, he, he was just a good guy. Cliff Hughes, maybe some of you know. But here's the thing. In all those years, I, I don't know that he ever pastored. I don't think his attendance ever went over maybe 100. Never pastored a big church. But whenever he heard about something happening or a journey, he'd, he'd send just, just, just a humble guy. He, he's one of these guys you could say he was a Christian. I don't know about you, but that means a lot when I say and all during the funeral, people would talk about his life, and nobody could say he pastored a big church, didn't win thousands to the Lord. I, I, I never heard him preach. I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm sure he was. An... But you know what? When he got to heaven, listen, when you get to heaven, you need to start. I, I got a list. I keep a list of things God's not going to ask me. When I get to heaven, y'all know that. And when I and and most of the things the Church of God asks me on my report every month, none of those things God's going to ask me when I die. He's not going to ask me what what size church I pastored. He's not going to ask how many how many how many butts I put in the pew. No, he's not going to ask me what my what my ties are this month. There's just a whole lot of things. You know, God's not going to ask you if you properly maintained your retirement fund. He's not going to ask you if you ever got that really nice car that you like. He's not going to ask you if you got that job. He's not going to ask you if you, you know, he's not even going to ask you if you were happy. In the world, everything's about if you're not happy, if you're not happy, divorce them. If you're if you're not happy, you know, it's all about your happiness. Scripture doesn't promise you happiness. He didn't die so you could have a smile on your face. Come on, church. That's another whole sermon. I just keep seeing rabbits everywhere. Discipline, discipline, discipline. God's not going to ask me a lot of things that pastors worry about all the time. You know what? He's not going to ask me if you were happy. I just felt freed. God's not going to say, Bruce, did you keep your members happy? No. <laughs> there was always somebody sad. It's not my job. You know, if I disappoint you, get over it. 
It's not my job to keep you happy. It's my job to introduce you to Jesus. I'm not so sure it's, it's always my job to give you the right advice and get you through things and push you through this. And get, listen, I'm not your problem solver. He is. I am not paid to solve your problems. I'm paid to take you to Jesus. Oh, my God. Who was it when, when, when Philip, when, when, or Andrew, whichever one it was, when, when God, when Jesus introduced himself, he said, I got to go find. He brought him to Jesus. It's my job to bring you to Jesus because he has the answers. If you're not happy, blame him. One of my very first sermons, it may have been my first, that I ever preached was Enter the joy of the Lord, thou good and faithful servant. Good because he made me, because he forgave me, and faithful because I chose to be. Enter the joy. Mm. There's a difference between happiness and joy. Enter the joy of the Lord, thou good and faithful servant. And all through that funeral, I was, I was just kind of weepy. And I, I just thought, you know, when, when he gets to heaven, he may never have pastored a big church, but I'm telling you, when he gets to heaven, he's going he's gonna to find himself in a better shape than some of these guys who pastor two, three, four, five thousand. 5,000. I heard a pastor on TV just the other day. He says, my heart's so broke because I don't know, you know, how many of my members have died during COVID, and I don't even know who they are. If one of you died, I would know it. Some of you I know when you got a cold. Not so sure I need to know. Just this week I had someone text me because their cat died. Oh, 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 my God. Okay. Prayers. I mean, that could be, uh, okay, I get it. I'm not a cat person, but I get it. It can happen. It's upsetting. I understand. Are you still here? I just last lost the whole cat crowd. I, I just checked out. All the dog people are like, Ugh. I tell you what, if my dog died, you better be praying. And then there's hamsters. and I don't even know why I brought up all that. I, let's get back to the message. When God looked at him, he said, enter I believe there's a special place in heaven for Cliff Hughes. Not because he did these great things, but because he loved his people and he pastored his people for 44 years and he was there and he loved them and, and he obeyed God. He just did what God told him to do. And it's not about how big you get or what you do. It's not about how many people know what you did. Sometimes just fixing somebody lunch can change everything. I don't know if you get this. Follow me if you can. I don't know what I'm going to do at this point. Immediately, I won't read the verse, but in, immediately in the next chapter, immediately 
Saul calls him in, and, and he's standing there in his sheep clothes. And how many know from watching Westerns, sheep people stink? <laughs> they smell worse than cattle people. That's hard to imagine. Cattle people, anyway. He smelled like sheep. He looked like a shepherd. He hadn't bathed in months. I mean, he looked, and, he, and, and, the, and, the, and the Scripture says, this, this is cool. The Scripture says he comes into Saul carrying Saul's head. I mean, yeah, well, later, Saul. <laughs> Just saying it. He becomes king eventually. You know how the story ends. He doesn't take his head off. But anyway, he comes into Saul's presence with, and how many know Goliath had a big head? The average head's about five pounds. This is 10 pounds. So he comes in with his huge head and the blood's still dripping off it. And he goes, here, king. <laughs> Here's the head. Wow. How many know we need to start cutting the head off some of our problems and some of our situations and some of the, listen, 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 listen to what I'm saying. As we go through this transition, don't just wait for, the, you know, because some of us aren't going to get to the great things until we face our Goliath head on and take our Goliath on. Whatever it might be, maybe it's depression or loneliness or a past hurt or, or just, just inability or whatever it is that's bothering you or what other people say about you, sooner or later, you're going to face your Goliath and that giant is coming down in the name of Jesus and you're going to find yourself in the palace. My God, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Jump over to chapter 18, verse 1 and, and, and now he, he comes, you know, Saul says, it's so funny in chapter 17 Saul says, who is this kid? Who is he? Why would you send someone out? You don't even know. But, but he sends him out and now he comes into Saul's presence. When he had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. They loved each other at that moment as, as, as best buds. Amen. Verse 2, Saul took him that day and would not let him go home. At some point, you're going to cross something where there's no going back. I just pray, God, as you cross that place in your life. It's time to just burn the ships because you're not going back. Come on, church. Maybe you've already come to that place. I, I, I came to that place long ago, long ago, but some of you are still in that place where, you know, but, but sooner or later, you just cross a line where the door shuts behind you. And you say, God, that's it. I'm never going back. Because what happened back there doesn't affect me anymore. And that's not holding me back. And that didn't get me here anyway. And I'm just going to, God, just close the door because that has nothing to do with me anymore. I don't care where I've been. I don't care what I've been through. I don't care about those hurts. I'm making an about face and I'm running after God. And the verses say that he, he loved him. And verse 4, it talks about that Jonathan took his, took his very robe off and gave it to him, which is a symbol of mentorship. That someone, listen, somebody, listen, and this could be a type of Jesus. I believe he's going to dress us. It's time. He's going to dress us, and he gave him his armor. Remember Saul tried to put armor on David, and David said it doesn't fit? But he took this armor, 
Because all of a sudden, he's in a place where it fits. And God's going to bring you to a place where you were so uncomfortable with what God's... I, I might be talking to one person, but if one person gets this, it's worth this whole 30 minutes. I'm here to tell you, at some point... God, what you thought would never fit is going to fit. 